Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host today, Jason. Suck it, Tim. He's still in quarantine, so someone in the studio has to host. And I haven't been in the studio too much recently, so it's it's my time to host. My time is now. <laughs> Tim Tim we just get... said, Jay, do you want to host for the first time? And uh, Straight disrespect. I mean, we all know Tim's this is memory the... is pure trash. I mean, this is also the first time you've ever hosted with me on. With you and Michael There's together, no way. it's kind of half-hosting. There's no, no this, way I've it. never hosted with you on. I'm the host. What are you talking about? You're a Melba I, toast. I, I start to say I started the same way every time. <laughs> uh, whatever you say. Melba All right. toast is delicious. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Talk is cheap. We got the NFL draft coming up soon in a couple of weeks. Uh, three weeks. April 23rd, it begins. So what we're going to do today is go through some rookies and some ideal landing spots. We will explain a little bit more shortly. But for now, here's our song. (laughs) Welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast presented by BrodoFantasy.com. I'm your host, Tim Petrop, with my brothers, the only two twins that give you double that fantasy goodness, Michael and Jason Petrop. All right, yeah, so I'm we have it a, back. Yeah, yeah, yo, suck fuck it, you. I'm out here. <laughs> yo, you realize we could just press end on your call right now, and then we could record without you. I'm you very tempted. Me. Very the fans tempted. Would, the fans would 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 riot, revolt. There'd be a class action against you in the courts of law. I, I'm the wrong person to try to sue in this <laughs> in this podcast group here. We're not afraid of you. <laughs> Who's we? What are we talking about? I don't know. <laughs> Apparently, Timmy thinks we're like, uh, ever since you became the special guest, Timmy just talks shit, man. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I'm not even allowed to host a damn Yo, episode. I'm not going to lie, man. I'm going a little crazy in here, man. It's, and just, the, it's crazy. The only reason I'm hosting today is because for some reason, the plan for today's episode is too complex for one of you guys to host. It's really not that confusing. Who said that? I don't know. It was like, Jay, you're hosting today. You're the one. <laughs> Explain it. So, all right. So here's what we're doing. So basically, yeah. So right now we're working off of mock drafts, right? Uh, the real draft is in three weeks. So what we did, us three, we went through a bunch of industry mock drafts. Um, and as we were looking through them, we wanted to see where we were looking at skill position players, where they ended up. And then uh, we decided where our favorite landing spots were. Uh for each certain player. So what spot, what team, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Um, We each picked our three favorite ideal landing spots. Uh, We did first and second round. We avoided the top 10 picks just because, you know, all right, Joe Burrow's going to go to the Bengals. Someone's going to draft to uh, maybe the Dolphins. Someone's going to draft maybe Herbert top 10. But we, we wanted to keep away from those guys. So we basically did picks 11 through like 50, let's say. Just our favorite landing spots in mock drafts where if this happened in real life, we'd be very happy. And that's what we're going to do today. And since we're going through the draft rounds one and two, we're going to go in the order of the draft. Ooh, um, so we're not saucy. typically. Yeah. So we're not. Uh, there's no guarantee that one of us isn't going to talk twice in a row. Warning. Tim's going to have to talk twice in a row to start this podcast. I saw so, someone. Get on, ready. I saw someone on Twitter say, I forget who said it. That uh, the NFL should just start the draft now and do one pick per day during the quarantine, so every day someone has something to look forward to. Stupidest thing. Seems ever like heard. a ridiculous idea. Yeah. Stupid. Honestly, thing any idea I'm, I'm down for these days to make life a little more interesting. And have they? Announced- I'm getting. 
getting tired of television, bro. And the in the Impractical Jokers movie, ugh, kind of was whack. Listen, it's really, really disheartening. I'm not believing you until I watch it because uh, it was they were trying too hard, man. We we can't talk bad about the Impractical Jokers. I, I know like, it I sucks. Like family. Like, <laughs> I am a, I'm a fanboy of theirs. I love Impractical Jokers. I fall asleep to Impractical Jokers nearly every night. Um, it's just that uh, this one was just trying too hard, yo. But I'm keep staring at myself in this little window. These this uh, this what do you call it? what I, lit Lent that I've been doing? Oh, my it's showing some gracious. improvements. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this bicep. Get at me, lit Lenters. Can you not do that? The worst. Get at me, lit Lenters. The world is lucky right now that this is not a video podcast. They'd be very angry. I wish it was. So you could see my pythons. Look at oh me. God. I have cool tattoos on my right I, arm. That's what I hate. Thanks for calling guy. my tattoos. <laughs> Thanks for calling my tattoos cool, Michael. I mean, they're cool. Fuck off. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys want right, to so talk about rookies or what? Yeah, let's get this started. You know what? I'm going I'm to get it started because my guy is not only my favorite player in the draft, personally, that I think I'm going to like watching the most for the next 10 years, but he's also Jeez hopefully going to be drafted to my team. And we've been unapologetically Jets fans in this pro- program. We tell you the truth, and it makes us really good fantasy players at the end of the day because the last three, four years, we haven't had to worry about drafting any Jets whatsoever. So we could be really, really just like super down the middle and unbiased about everything because the Jets suck, and we know it. But the Jets are on the verge of not sucking, in my opinion. And one of the ways that you do not suck is you get your young, star-looking quarterback, a young, star-wide receiver, and not many drafts have been draft have been this packed at wide receiver. This quarantine has given me a lot of time to look into the draft this year. So I feel like I'm really, really, I understand these dudes better uh, going into this season than I did going into any season before. And the one guy I love every time I see him, even when I see him do things not well, is Jerry Judy, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Watching him run routes and move is a thing of beauty. It is an absolute art form to watch this guy move and ju- and juke all over the place. And when when he cuts, his cuts are so damn clean. It's like it, he. I said that he reminded me of Julio Jones. I want to amend that because he's not as big. He reminds me of DeAndre Hopkins. I feel like he's going to be a DeAndre Hopkins of the future, a precise route runner who just knows how to get open at any time, can burn you down the field, can burn you in the middle of the field, can burn you from the slot, can burn you against a double team, can burn you against press coverage, can burn you against off coverage. Like, this guy really does everything. And even Todd McShay, who I'm not going to act like I am a better draft evaluator than Todd McShay, if he he says that Jerry Judy is the best route runner that he's ever evaluated, that is ridiculously high praise for Jerry Judy. On top of that, he comes from the winning uh, program and the winning tradition of Alabama. He already knows what it's like to be a pro. Everyone says that he's the kind of guy that's kind of like Larry Fitzgerald, leader of your team type of guy. He's not the diva type wide receiver. Um, he won the best wide receiver, the Bolitnikoff Award in college when he was a true sophomore. And all of that, if you put take that, wrap it up real nice, and put it on the Jets, that would be the first time, guys, who could who can guess what the last time the Jets picked a wide receiver in the first round was? Oof. What year? Uh, what's his face? Keyshawn I won't Johnson. say the, just the year first. Oh, Keyshawn Johnson. Yeah. Well, that was ninety six, and you're wrong. There was one after that. I was gonna say Johnson ninety six. So. Walker or some shit. I'm bugging. Um, no, no, no. I don't remember. Santana Moss in two thousand one. Hey, Santana Moss. That is the last time the Jets I have picked like a, a wide bad receiver Jet in the first fan. round. I- 
do not recall the Jets being the ones who drafted Santana. Moss. The Jets have drafted a defensive tackle like more times than than any team in recorded history. And defensive tackle far. doesn't even matter. In oh the first yeah, time. Leonard Williams. Yeah, how could he not take that talent at pick six? Fucking <laughs> so dude, dumb. even fucking. Uh, excuse you. Bless you. <laughs> oh, Quinn and Williams. Quinn and Williams. What are you doing taking a DT in today's NFL? Talk about running backs don't matter. I will fight anyone. DTs don't matter. Unless, and don't nah, tell that, me about Aaron Donald. Unless you're Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's wild, a freak of nature. DTs wild, do not dude. matter. The dude. only thing DTs do is stop the run. And yeah. who gives a fuck about stopping the run? If you're still All trying right, to, Jason. if you're still trying to stuff the run at this point, you're you're out of whack. That's All right. I, we're gonna we're gonna have to agree to disagree on that one. That would be a whole separate. Well, it's podcast, because you're but, a dumbass old school idiot. <laughs> um, all I know is the it's last two adjectives. years, nine out of the twelve teams that made the playoffs led Here were we in go. the top ten in rushing. Top ten in, the in rushing, tank. dude. Time yeah. out. Right, because time out. when you win, when you're leading, you run the damn ball. Yeah, I'm legitimately the There's yeah, but that's just it's, you it's rationalizing you your side like because that. I can no, say man. the teams that control the clock and no. no. Run Man, better are the better teams. I, no, I wish I found the stat. I, I have to find it somewhere. Someone showed all these these dumbass stats about how winning teams run the ball more. They separated it into when they have leads trailing and are tied and game neutral scripts. And it's not even close to the same thing. Oh, because the team that runs the ball more is winning most of the time because they're winning. They run more when they're winning. Yeah, dude. They win more when they run. Like, oh either God. way, like oh is goodness. it's there's no causality at all. I'm done. I'm like done you guys are case. just are just putting it to your. You're the one that just said there's standard. no causality, so you admit that running has nothing to do with winning. No causality in your in your way. In what way? In my way. I'm legit embarrassed <laughs> right now that this is being said on our podcast. Me too. I don't like this one bit. No, it's it's still a running league. Look at the best offensive coaches in the league. They are run first offenses, every single one, every single one. That includes Kansas City. They they build off the run. They build up the play action. RPO is basically their entire playbook. No, it's not. The yes, it is. No, let's go RPO the, entire playbook. Talk about the Ravens. T- no, the Chiefs entire. Yeah, the Ravens too. The Chiefs RPO. too. Yo, Pat Mahomes is the best RPO quarterback there is in the league. That's a crazy statement. It's not crazy statement. Just right watch them. Watch them. Watch them. So it's not. It's anyway. We were talking about the Jets. I, I said I didn't want to argue about this because I could literally take a whole podcast <laughs> and argue this. We should do a but, podcast about this. Well, I would win that podcast. Not even life. close. And all my fans would sue you again. Um. Yeah. But anyway, look. There obviously is a need for offensive line, and I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say that the Jets shouldn't draft an offensive lineman because I think there's two positions that clearly the Jets need, offensive line and wide receiver. But when you're looking at a generational talent like this, I don't think you could pass it up, especially around pick number 11. That's where these guys tend to shine. And yes, I want to anchor on the offensive line, but I want some, I want to splash, man. Why do do I, do I not deserve a splash? Do I not deserve one person that could give me an exciting play every once in a goddamn while? Tim, I'm not going to lie Jerry Judy, is going to slot in as the number one receiver on day one, day one with the Jets. It'd be very nice for the Jets to get a cornerstone lineman. We haven't had one since, like, Nick Mangold. But, man, we need some excitement in our lives. Just a little bit. When was the last time we had a pass catcher that was exciting? We got to go back to Fitz with Marshall and Decker. Like, come on. They were all past their prime at that point. 
Before that, what was it? Mark Sanchez and Braylon Edwards. Nah, that huge Marshall year was San Antonio was nice. He was a beast. Yeah, player. but like we like the best wide receiver that we had is like Brandon Marshall from three years after his prime. Like he was. Braylon so, Edwards yeah, is pretty okay. fun too, though. With the Jets, Braylon Edwards is one of my favorite players. Yeah, but to call him a a star, like Jerry Judy's a star, man. This guy's gonna be a perennial Pro Bowl. Top fantasy pick for a long time. I'm with you. I, I also think it'd be cool good for name. fantasy if he ended up on the Jets, too. The cool name also, like, it always helps, you know. Rashad Perman's there to open up the field. Crowder in the slot. Judy's there to run the intermediate routes. Best part about Judy, too, happen. is, like, in college he did almost, he did, I wouldn't say almost all, but most of his work in the slot. So he can go outside, he can go inside, and you can move him around all over the place. So it, him plus Crowder plus Anunua. That's uh, one thing all of a sudden. I, one thing I don't like is that Joe Douglas told Vincent Smith he'll have an opportunity to really shine. Like, what do you man, want him to say? What? Yeah, oh, what do you want man. him to say, bro? Yeah, that guy Vincent Smith, he sucks. Hey guy on our, to, hey guy in our team, fuck you. We're, we're gonna go into the season really, really shitty at wide receiver. <laughs> Sorry guys. Imagine Josh Jackson beasts this season. That'd be cool. What? The Jets got Josh Doxson. Yeah. <laughs> so he can't talk good about sleeper. Vincent Smith, but Josh Doxson, yeah, let's hope that guy kills it. Absolutely. Nah, nah. You guys are <laughs> who's the next draft irrational. pick? The next draft pick, it's Tim. We get to hear him talk again. Yeah. I love these wide receivers in this draft, man. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm all aboard the conventional wagon here. Like usually, you know, I, I say I like what overall, be... what team? Let him. Preface. I'm gonna get there. I'm Jeez. gonna get there. Now you I know gotta cut Michael off this podcast. <laughs> you know that usually I'm the type of dude that likes to be contrarian and challenge the normal li- line of thinking. Not but when, when it comes I look to at these, the ball. not <laughs> that's not the normal line of thinking. The normal line of thinking is your hipster ass. So that's so when, not true. Yes, it is. That's how everyone's thinking that the, that the league is a passing offense. I've no, had this. You look at. Like, I've had this argument on veterans minimum three years running, and no one could prove me wrong. And I'll have the I'll, oh I'll have the argument with you. You are too. wrong. You are proven no, wrong not. because you simply are wrong. I'm not wrong though. I shouldn't have said anything. There's facts and there's facts. Let me ask you a question. Did Jared Jared Goff? Excuse me. Did Jared Goff have a very similar year numbers wise as he did last year? Did the wide receivers change? Did he have a uh, your your question didn't make sense, but you can continue. Yeah, I was. I didn't Jared know. Goff didn't change. He's the same person. The wide receiver core didn't change with them. What happened is Todd Gurley became less effective, and that offense completely sputtered. What are you talking about? That passing offense was way worse this year too. What are you talking about? Yeah, because it 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 plays off of the run. Well, the run leads hurt. these teams. Cooks was hurt at points. They were there though. They were there. Whatever. Talk Moving about your on. guy. You you were prefacing a guy, and then you stopped talking about him. Yeah, because you guys want to keep baiting me into this shit. Anyway, um, what I see is an opportunity here for a, a big-time home run. Now, first-round wide receivers have not been great for the past few years, and that's why my hesitation starts. But I see this guy, and I'm just like, damn, the dude's great. I can't, I can't fight it. And that's C.D. Lamb, and I think the best place for him is the 49ers. Now, a lot of mock drafts have C.D. Lamb actually getting picked before Jerry Judy by the 49ers. So they, they're very mixed on who's the best wide receiver in the draft, Judy or Lamb. I think it's definitely Judy, no doubt about it. 
but Lamb is another great route runner, and he like has that spectacular spectacular catch factor that not a lot of people have. He makes one hand catches, diving catches. He CD Lamb, um, CD's amazing, nuts. got him, amazing, got him. amazing. Um, he's also an elusive player, one of the most elusive players that PFF graded in college. Um, super hard to tackle, and I think so. I think that's perfect for the Kyle Shanahan offense because you think about a guy who can get wide receivers into space. And you think about a guy that can create catch, uh, run after the catch opportunities. On top of that, he gets to not be the number one guy right away. Uh, he gets to not have to deal with double teams right away because you have Debo Samuel on the other side. You have George Kittle working in the middle. So when you have those two things and you put him on the other side, he gets that opportunity to make those spectacular plays, to beat that single coverage, to find those gaps in the in the defense. So I think that this is a, a place that just screams, please come to me, come to me, at the 49ers and C.D. Lamb. I can see that. It's it's interesting because that's not a like the it doesn't jump off the page at you, the 49ers, because they're a spread the ball offense. But I mean, we've seen Kyle Shanahan. He just knows how to use his weapons uh, in in Atlanta. Julio Jones is the number one weapon. And now in San Francisco, George Kittle is. So he knows what he's doing. And I agree with you. If CeeDee Lamb ends up in San Francisco, Shanahan's Shanahan's going to know how to get him the ball. That's a nice landing spot. Yeah, I mean, uh, like what Jason said, I don't think it would be ideal for fantasy, but it would be a very nice landing spot for Lamb. <clears throat> Next up is Michael Stay on the wide receiver train here. Yes, we are. For my rookie mock pick, we got Justin Jefferson going to the Philadelphia Eagles, folks. The, the Eagles. LSU wide receiver getting tossed the ball from Joe Burrow last season. Jefferson is 6-1, a 4-4-3 slot receiver. He moved to the slot this past season, actually, after uh, his freshman year, he didn't play much. His sophomore year, he was more moving around. This year, he played almost 90% of the slots, excuse me, 90% of the snaps in the slot. He caught up 111 passes for 1,540 yards and 18 touchdowns. This this kid went from a non-existent rookie season to a decent sophomore season to an absolute explosion his sophomore year, uh, excuse me, his junior year. With uh, Joe Burrow exploding and Joe Brady uh, leading the offense, he also owned the best contested catch conversion rate. Joe Brady, in 20, the offensive coordinator. Oh, they're talking and about Joe, Joe Burrow, Burrow. QB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I should have. Yeah, maybe I should have clarified that. I'll talk about the <laughs> offensive coordinator. Uh, he also owned the best contested catch conversion rate in 2019 of any receiver in the class. So if the ball was near him, he was coming down with it. The real the question marks here with uh, Justin Jefferson is how often he lined up in the slot, and he didn't really have to get... He he didn't have to go up against uh, the bump and run, and there might be some growing pains as an early commit as only, as a 21-year-old. So if he has to go up against someone like Desmond King in the slot or something of that sort, I could see him having some trouble. But we're talking about a Philadelphia Eagles offense that has just been trying so hard to use Nelson Aguilar in the slot for like three years now. Like for years, we've just seen them feed the ball to Nelson Aguilar, drop after drop and disgusting play after disgusting play. If you put an actual receiver in that slot with now with Goddard another year older and Zach Ertz being Zach Ertz across the middle, let this guy run around the play actions and things of that sort, That I think that could be a very, a very fun, very fun landing spot. And big for fantasy too because... They don't have any like real trustworthy receivers outside of the tight end position. Do you, do you care at all that Carson Wentz is not the most durable quarterback? He played all of last year, which was nice to see, even through some uh, bumps and such. But 
No, I'm not. I'm not they could definitely about, use a wide receiver. I'm not worried about Carson Wentz getting hurt. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I I think that he also slots in well in the future of the Eagles, right? Because you you figure Alshon Jeffrey um, is someone who is playing that kind of role, that big catch him 50-50 type guy. And when he's ready to hang him up, Justin Jefferson kind of fits in that mold and takes his place and slots in real nicely behind him. Next up, next up, that is me. Hey, yo, guys, when I was looking through these mock drafts, th- this is my favorite pick maybe of all time. Like, I really want this to happen. Pick 24, the Saints take the quarterback out of Utah State. Jordan Love. The Saints. Interesting. The Interesting. Saints. Mel Kuyper isn't going to the Patriots. Oh, I'd be pissed if the Pats got him. What about Taysom really? Hill, bro? Future QB Yo, star, I think bro. The Saints are a perfect fit. I'd be pissed because we're Jets fans. Dude, Jordan Love is a quarterback that has all the tools you need in a quarterback. What he struggles with is what can be taught. There are a lot of people who it's the other way around. They have a lot of skills in stuff that can be taught, and they're not that good at stuff that can't be taught. Mr. That's Mr. not Jordan Love here. Jordan Love has the arm. He has the legs. He's an underrated runner. He had 806 uh, yards rushing, eight touchdowns in college, ran a 4.74 40-yard dash. This guy got legs. And he has an arm. My favorite thing about his arm, his PFF grade in intermediate throws was at 88.4. The intermediate throws are the most important throw in the NFL. Mm -hmm. Short throws, every NFL quarterback can make. Except Josh Allen. Deep throws are rare in the NFL. Those are the ones we see highlights of. Those are the ones where Patrick Mahomes makes his money. But they're rare. NFL is not a deep throw game. The intermediate throws are where you make your money in the NFL. And Jordan Love's best attribute is throwing into the middle of the field. If he had his 2018 season repeated, he'd probably be in the discussion in the top 10 picks. But he struggled last season. Why? Maybe because his entire coaching staff changed. This is still a young guy. He's in college. He also goes to Utah State. He also goes to Utah State. Probably doesn't have the best weapons around him. But he's 6'4", has a big arm, 224 pounds, and he has great pocket presence. Where he struggled last season was throwing into tight windows. He had a lot of turnovers throwing into tight windows. He led the FBS in that. You mean mean what you need to do for the NFL? I'm saying that's what you could learn in the NFL. Because he was also, he only got sacked 16% of the time that he was pressured. That was one of the top marks in the NFL. He knows how to make throws. He knows how to escape pressure. He just needs to make smarter decisions. Jason, do you know who you sound like you're describing right now? You sound like me describing Josh Allen two years ago. No, Josh Allen, no, no. No, why why not? Because Josh Allen still sucks, in my opinion. I think that's Josh a good comparable. Getting, I think it's a really good comparable. Josh Allen is overrated because the Bills were such a good team overall last year. And not for nothing, I would have liked Josh Allen better if he got drafted by the Saints, which I haven't even gotten to yet. Because Drew okay. Brees is there. Literally no one better to learn from than Drew Brees. Drew Taysom Brees. Hill. You learn from Taysom Hill. <laughs> Yeah, we could also put that to rest. Taysom Hill, the 30-year-old Wildcat quarterback, is never going to be the franchise quarterback. All you idiots, Mike Florio's out there, who think that he's the next coming, like he's a better version of Lamar Jackson. 
I don't know what that is, but that's not going to happen. Drew Brees isn't a person who was born with insane capabilities. He doesn't have a Jamarcus Russell arm. He's just an insanely good quarterback, and that's someone you want to learn from. And I feel like Jordan Love has the tools, the things that he can improve on. He can learn behind Drew Brees and Sean Payton. I would love it if he ended up on the Saints. I mean, yeah. uh, Drew Brees would have his back like dad laughing in the background. Yeah, that was our dad laughing in the background. (laughs) Could you hear that on the... I heard it. Yeah, for sure. I heard it. (laughs) But yeah, uh, the Saints would be interesting, man. Because I I was joking about learning from Taysom Hill, but he could probably learn a thing or two about being an athletic quarterback from Taysom Hill a little bit, you know. He is I like a the idea of Tua. Guy. I, I like the idea of the Saints drafting a guy in the late first round, so there's not too much pressure. Because um, Jordan Love is the type of guy who's going to be a little bit of a project, right? So you give a chance to him f- for him to learn behind Drew Brees, and then you have an heir apparent for Drew Brees without the pressure of him needing to play early. Because you know Drew Brees is Drew Brees, and he's so respected in that city where I don't think it'll be even if he, even if he you know, falters, I still think the city will stand behind him. So Jordan Love will, will seriously have the time to develop, kind of like how Brett Favre did with Green Bay. And I think that could be – that's the best for him, and it's a, it's a good deal for the Saints. It's an interesting one, Jason. It's an interesting one. Yeah, I'd love it if he ended up there. Next up is Michael. I believe Michael's going twice in a row here. So Am I? Showtime, Ooh. baby. This one for me here, Minnesota just lost Stephon Diggs, so it makes sense to get another wide receiver, right? Jalen Ragor, someone who, if you follow Fantasy Dynasty Twitter, people either love him or hate him. It's a little weird how like mixed reviews Jalen Ragor gets, and because this this dude's a former track and field star who could also like jump out the roof. I think he jumped like twenty four feet or some shit in the broad jump. Like I don't even know how that's humanly possible. His verticals ridiculous, like 95th percentile. He's just an athletic freak. The problem here is, unlike uh, Justin Jefferson, who I had going to the Eagles, <clears throat> he didn't improve every year in college. His sophomore year was his biggest year. Expecting a huge breakout his junior year just didn't happen. He's also it's only a 21-year-old early commit, so there might be some growing pains. But you have to, when it comes to Jalen Ragor, you're, you're betting on the on-field acumen more than you are on the production because the TCU passing offense was basically a joke last season and if you even if you just watch even a little bit of Jalen Ragor you'll see that he never moves like he's always just lined up on the right side of the field never like moving around to the slot like how do you not take a guy who's ridiculously fast and move him around like how do you not do that like what goes through your mind when you decide no let's just leave him on that side of the field forever he he wasn't a they didn't throw him any screen passes. Like he's he was one of the most dynamic yards after the catch guys in all of college football and they just they didn't want to get the ball in his hands. Now, the Adam Thielen is already in Minnesota. With Stefan Diggs gone, who's the who's a real threat to steal passing work? Ola Bissy Johnson. It's Bissy, bro. Or Bissy Johnson him. now out of nowhere everyone or decided to take According the to Ad, according to Adam Schefter, Tajay Sharp. Yeah, Tajay Sharp is the number 2 wide receiver they out there. They get their Diggs replacement. And it's set in stone. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm saying, like, yo, if they draft Jalen Ragor, line him on the outside, line him up in the slot, Diggs and Thielen would move around a lot, which was one of the reasons why they were, they both had success there. 
And with uh, the Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota uh, play-action offense that they have, like the, the way you get Jalen Ragor to be most dynamic is by either getting him the ball super quick on a screen pass or something of that sort or giving him time down the field to just go find an open spot. And I think in Minnesota that would be perfect. On the topic of Stefan Diggs, quick uh, plug here to our Twitter account, at Broto Fantasy. We're doing a best pass-catching, so tight ends are involved, best pass-catching duo in the NFL bracket right now. You want to get your votes in there. Right now, if you're a Bills, Vikings, or um, who are they going up against? Rams fan. Stephon Diggs and John Brown versus Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are in a very tight battle. Close one. It is a close one. I liked when those two ended up together in our bracket. I was like, yeah, this is going to be a good battle here. But yeah, I mean, to fit into Minnesota or play Stephon Diggs, it makes a lot of sense. Michael's up again. Um, Yes, I am. And as I said last week, Aaron Rodgers will not be a QB1 if Devin Funches is their only wide receiver ad this season. I... I'm a wide receiver guy. You guys know that. I'm a, I am was a zero running back guy in drafts and such. So I went with another wide receiver here, Denzel Mims of Mims? Baylor. Mims is one of those ridiculous freak athletes. Uh, his spark score is 77. He's 6'3", 207 pounds, a 4'4", 840. Like he's one of these guys where he's one of those quote-unquote bet-on-the-player type guys because he's such like an athletic freak even though he doesn't – He's not necessarily a refined wide receiver. Like, Baylor doesn't have, like, this offense that necessarily translates to the NFL. And he also dropped, this This was kind of mind-boggling to me, 18 catchable passes out of 140. Damn. Like, that is a very bad number for a guy that's supposed to be making, like, big plays for you. But on top of all that, like you said, he's one of those bet-on-the-player type guys. And if you, you bring him... <laughs> yeah. He said, like, like said, you said. Like I said. Jeez. Like I said, you you cut me off, bro. For the Packers, he doesn't need to be this tremendous route runner or crazy, uh, like this crazy good wide receiver because they already have Devontae Adams there, right? They already have Aaron Jones in the backfield, Aaron Rodgers. All they, this guy, if you put him, if you watch some of his tape, he's the best part about him is that he just goes up and gets the ball at the high point. Like, he's tremendous at just grabbing the ball in the air over other players. Using his the 6'3 uh, height to his ability. Great at back shoulder passes. Guess who hasn't had anyone in the red zone to throw to for years other than Devontae Adams? That's Aaron Rodgers. I think Devontae Adam, uh, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers, you said the other day he was he had a bunch of red zone, uh, red zone um, looks last season, but he just wasn't converting. Yeah, uh... Aaron Rodgers and Baker Mayfield were both top five in red zone um, attempts last season. Exactly. Top five in red zone attempts, but he really didn't throw as many touchdowns as you would think uh, with that being the case. Put Denzel Mims there in the red zone, the 6'3 explosive receiver, and just let him get the ball for you. If you have a player who's a project, it's good to end up on a team like the, with Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. Yeah. If you if you pair that project with Josh Allen, not so much. And maybe he'll sit behind Devin Funches in the beginning of the year, but once he gets uh once he gets into it a little more, there's no way he sits behind Devin Funches. No way. So look behind the curtain a little bit. Tim usually comes up with the um ideas for podcasts. Um but 
this is this pick right here is the reason why we're doing this episode today. I was sitting at home watching Sports Center and I saw that Todd McShay had DeAndre Swift going thirty second to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I was like, dude, that would be great. And then I texted Tim and Michael and said, Yo, let's do a podcast assessing mock drafts and dream landing spots. I told Jason too when he told me that i was like yo imagine your name being deandre swift of course you're a beast running back right yeah, right he was born, born to, to be, be a running back <laughs> basically anyone in georgia is born to be a who goes to georgia todd Gurley, sony michelle before he broke his knees nick chubb and now they're bringing out deandre swift so if you give any um any uh weight to that i mean he's coming out of a long line of good running backs and DeAndre Swift Swift is not someone who came up out of nowhere. He had a litany of offers out of high school, basically one of the top recruits. And earlier in this offseason, he was minus 350 to be the first running back drafted off the board. Wow. Now he's minus 110, I believe. So a lot of Jonathan Taylor hype, um, like Saquon Barkley-esque Jonathan Taylor hype after the combine. But DeAndre Swift is still the favorite to be the first running back drafted, and there's a reason why. Last season, I said, so here's the difference. Last season, I said, I don't like Nikhil Harry too much because I feel like he's good at everything, but not great at anything, right? The jury's still out on him. Didn't have the best rookie season. He could be a good player because, like I said, I think he's good at everything. I just don't think he's great at anything. I think that's DeAndre Swift. But for our running back in today's game, someone being good at everything, including the pass-catching role, that's someone you want as a complete back. So I think that DeAndre Swift is this, is this year's Nikhil Harry and that he's good at everything. He averaged 3.83 yards after contact in his college career, one of the highest in the FBS. He's as, as, he's as elusive as they come, and he never exceeded 200 carries in a college season. We saw that with Josh Jacobs last season, questioning his durability just because he never had that many carries in college. Look, if anything, that just means he has fresh legs. He'll last until 31, maybe, instead of 30 for the rest of these running backs. I don't think it's a big deal that he never exceeded 200 carries. And the reason for that is because he was also passing, catching the ball out of the backfield. He's a very good pass catcher, and if he ends up on a team like the Chiefs, who use a pass-catching running back, you're just waiting for good things to happen there. Because if they have a complete running back, Andy Reid wants a workhorse. Damian Williams was that workhorse in the playoffs, again, two years running, but he had injuries last season. We saw Kareem Hunt be the workhorse before all of his stuff happened. DeAndre Swift is 5'8", 212, so he's small enough to be elusive and quick, strong enough to not be brought down by arm tackles. And to support my theory of he's just good at everything, he's at a PFF grade of at least 80 in all three of his seasons. I feel like DeAndre Swift is just write him in as an 88 for the rest of his career in Madden. He's never going to be Barkley, McCaffrey. He's an 88. He's someone that you just like on Aaron your team. Foster. He's going to be productive. No, because he burned out pretty quickly. I'd say like a Frank Gore type. Like he just maybe a little better. Like he's just really good. And I think on the Chiefs, it's a perfect landing spot for him. His only downside is blocking because he wasn't a great blocker in college. But you don't really need to block on the Chiefs. They have a dope offense. <laughs> so they're going to get the ball out of the backfield or he's going to run the ball. So... Swift to the Chiefs is something that I would love. I'm glad you got uh, running backs involved. In the, and also, I'm glad you were talking about my boy, Jonathan Taylor. Uh-oh. Because, because I'm the Taylor. <laughs> because Jonathan Ch- Taylor 
AKA I'm gonna, I, I'm doing this right now. I'm calling him Young Simba because he's the next up, and because Jonathan Taylor Thomas played the voice of Simba in the original Lion King. Yo, so I'm, I'm I'm calling him Young Simba as my um. And you could be like, a, oh, he's a young nickname. Lion King. Like Lion King sounds it, like a dope little running back nickname. I'm I'm feeling that. I'll go. That's what I'm saying. Simba. So he'll he'll eventually be the king. <laughs> Like like J. Cole says, I'm like a young Simba. I can't wait to be the king, right? So why I can't like he just the, be Simba? Why does it have to be young Simba? Because oh, young Simba Simba's wasn't the king, king yet. Dumbass. Simba's I'm so dumb. Go on. <laughs> so so he's young Simba, and I'm gonna tell you why he's young Simba. Because he has the potential, right? Just like when young Simba used to roar into the crowd. Roar! His roar in college was a deafening one. Yo, Tim, real quick. Two thousand Did you watch the oh new Lion God. King. How are you gonna cut him off right there? Cause she was That's so to fire. ask me watch the new Honestly, Lion like, King. Like I was, I was in a role. Like <laughs> he was watch- rolling. I was enjoying yeah. this. <laughs> Asked me if I watched the new Lion King yet. Shit was fire. Come dude. on, like man. right there. Come on. That's uh, come on. All right, Tim. You want to watch a good no. movie with your wife? Watch the new Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin right. was fire. Aladdin too. was great. I will. Now can I get back to the topic? Go for it. You were talking Thank about you. two thousand something to refresh. Two thousand one hundred and ninety-four <laughs> yards rushing last season on the ground, only sixteen yards in his career in college. He's had over sixty-one hundred yards with fifty touchdowns in his career, and he has averaged a clip of get this six point seven yards per carry in his three years in college. Um, he's a complete runner. Not only is he fast, he is strong. In fact, people think of Jonathan Taylor. When you just think of him, you think of a bruiser. Uh, not, not, uh, I mean, uh-uh. 30% of his runs were 15-plus yards last year. He ran a 4-3-9 at the Combine, so he is fast as fuck. He is third in the league with 87 missed tackles and third with 1,257 yards after contact. He averaged 3.7 yards after contact. He is impossible to take down, and then when you can't take him down, he has that breakaway speed. The reason why he became the number one running back prospect so quickly is because he came to the Combine and he put up Saquon Barkley numbers. In fact, he did better in Saquon Barkley in some of the areas he couldn't bench as much or jump as high as Saquon Barkley but everything else he either was equal to or bent or or matched him when you do that it causes a eye-opening situation now he's from Wisconsin who if you go back into Wisconsin running backs they have very prolific careers Malcolm. not none though as prolific as Jonathan Taylor I'm now Taylor. Also, he doesn't really catch passes. Last year, eight catches for 60 yards all year. So eight catches for 60 yards is eh, right? But that's why when I saw him going to the Dolphins, I thought to myself, this is the most perfect opportunity for him that there is. And here's why. Because you already have Jordan Howard on the squad. And I see it a lot like Miles Sanders of last year, where Miles Sanders was a workhorse back at Penn State, and they decided to get him less of that opportunity, right, because his body had taken the hits. Same with Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor has taken over. He He's averaged over 2,000 yards rushing a season. He was the key main point at Wisconsin offense. He was the, the ball carrier. So he got pummeled into the ground for three years. So you don't have to take that toll on his body. Jordan Howard's a similar type of running back. He can go in front of him. He can learn from one of the best at that skill set. 
which is Jordan Howard. And then when the time is right, he could take his place. So that Jordan Howard is basically playing the exact same role he did for Miles Sanders in Philly last year. So I love him in that spot because I think that he will even be fantasy viable after like week six if he goes to the Dolphins because he'll eventually take that job from um, Jordan Howard and he'll have fresh young legs to carry him because he won't get as much burn with Jordan Howard in front of him. So that's why I like him. Jonathan Taylor to Miami. Since this yeah. would be Miami's second round pick, we're into the second round now. Mm-hmm. Would you be happier or sad if not really sad, but would you prefer if the As Dolphins the Jets, took man. no 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 if the Dolphins took Tua or Herbert in the first round? Oof. Or would you rather Fitz be the quarterback? For this season only. I mean uh that I mean, I think I'd rather have Herbert. I think that's obvious. I think Tua is a, is a very dynamic player, although he has some bust potential. I think he's a very dynamic player. Oh, wait. Oh, I wasn't asking who you'd rather have. I wait, just you'd went. rather have Herbert than Tua? Interesting. No, I'd rather have Tua. So what did you, you just I'm say? I'm coming from it from a Jets fan perspective. You said, what would I hate more, right? Oh, no, no, no. I meant fantasy perspective. Would oh, you prefer oh. if the Dolphins stuck with Tua. Fitz or went to Tua for think... Jonathan Taylor's outlook? Oh. Gotta be Fitz, man. That'd be tough. I mean, I think Fitz goes into the season. That dude as just oozes offense. Fitz is a thrower. <laughs> yeah. Well, he I don't know. Oozes offense. I probably, think gonna have probably to... a mix of both. I wouldn't be surprised if Fitz. I got think a surprise team. Season. I think a surprise team is going to come up and trade in front of the Dolphins and clip them for Tua, and none of us are going to see it coming, and we're all going to be like, oh, "Holy shit!" On Twitter, I just I. I, something in my bones feels like go Chargers, like the, go like, Chargers. Yeah, like the Chargers are gonna jump up or like another team, like, yeah, like a, a surprise team out of nowhere, like the Raiders or the Jaguars or something. Definitely not the Jaguars, though. Definitely not the Jaguars. All right, so the host is ending it off. Pick number forty, right after Jonathan Taylor gets taken by the Dolphins. I'm the, the Texans draft T Higgins, nickname Ice T. Why? Because he's ice cold. He makes the plays, baby. Uh, T. Higgins is a dy- as a dynamic as they come. He was tied for fifth most in the nation with 15 catches of 20-plus yards. He averaged an average depth of target of 16.11 yards in his college career. He's 6'4", 205 pounds with plus speed. The PFF um, comparison for T. Higgins was Martavis Bryant. Both of them went to Clemson. Both of them tall guys, fast, a little lanky. And let's not forget how good Martavis Bryant was when he was actually on the field. So we know how important it is to have someone who could open up the field, and Houston needs a player. But that's the thing with T. Higgins. He's not just a deep threat. They have that in Will Will Farrell, I was going to say. Will Fuller. They have that in Kenny Stills. T. Higgins had a grade above 90 against press coverage, according to PFF, two years in a row. The only wide receiver to do that uh, in college football the last two seasons. He can't necessarily separate like Jerry Judy, uh, but he knows how to use his frame. He knows how to use his body. 6'4", 205. He can catch balls in traffic, and that's why I coined his name Ice-T. They need someone like that. They need an intermediate guy who's going to make plays in traffic with a linebacker coming across the middle with a safety coming down on you. Because Will Ferrell's... What am I saying with Will Ferrell? (laughs) (laughs) Will Fuller is going to open up that field, 
Cobb's going to be running some drag routes. And they want that guy. They need a DeAndre Hopkins replacement. And I'm not saying T. Higgins is DeAndre Nobody Hopkins. Nobody panic. But he could be that guy who's going to make plays in the middle of the field. Uh, there was something else I was going to say about him. I'm forgetting now. I'll, while oh, you I was going to say, because you're going to hear about this a million times, because people just love to bring this up, so I'm just going to say it now to get it out of the way. He was a very good basketball player in high school, all right? Now we're going to hear about it. If he's good, we're going to hear about it for the rest of his life, about how he, how he learned that box out from playing basketball in high school. So when he makes a contested catch, that's all we're going to hear for the rest of his career. But he does know how to make a contested catch, and I think that's what Houston's missing now, an intermediate threat. Someone who can take an intermediate route to the house. I think T. Higgins would bring that to that offense. You know how I know that Jason likes T. Higgins? Because before we started doing rookie research, this is about a this was a few weeks ago. We were just like talking football or whatever, and he goes, There's no way T. Higgins is good. Just listen to his name. <laughs> <laughs> and now he has him being drafted Giants. to the He's actually uh, good. The Texans and is hyped about because if if his name was Ice T Higgins, like oh that guy's mad good, that guy's dope. So now he's dope. Now he's good. T Higgins a doodle. Ice T Higgins nice. <laughs> Wish you could still got a funny ass face on right now. You got like a smirk stuck on your face. What are you doing? I'm, just, I'm doing? just looking at my bicep in the little box. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let me recap our ideal landing spots here. We have Tim drafting. The Jets drafting Jerry Judy with the 11th pick. We have Tim. The 49ers drafting CeeDee Lamb with the 13th pick. We have Michael. The Eagles drafting Justin Jefferson with the 21st pick. Jason. The Saints drafting Jordan Love with the 24th pick. Michael. The Vikings drafting Jordan Ray- Jalen Raygar in the t- with the 26th pick. Michael. The Packers drafting Denzel Mims in the 30th pick. I'm still not too sold on that. You sounded a little iffy on Denzel Mims. I just... I could see him having a huge... Uh, Roll in the red zone. Red zone potential. I see that. Uh, Jason, the Chiefs draft DeAndre Swift in the thirty second with the thirty second pick. Tim, the Dolphins draft Jonathan Taylor with the thirty ninth pick. Jason, Texans draft T Higgins with the fortieth pick. How do you call him T Higgins right now? Ice T Higgins and Young Simba Taylor. After all this time, and that is our recap. Um, You know what we did just then? We we put our thang down, we flipped it, and then we reversed (laughs) it. All right. Your your dick a dick a day day. Oh, shit. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Um uh back to Twitter. We are doing that poll, so you want to vote with it. We are today we'll complete the quarterfinals, then we're gonna have some spicy matchups coming up in the next few days. Um and now let's explain what the what's going on with the patrons this That's weekend. what I was gonna say next. And then we've also been doing it on our Twitter, on our Instagram. To anyone who wants to have some fun during this quarantine, we are having a very special Patreon episode this week. We are not recording it after this podcast. We are doing it live on Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Everyone listening, all you have to do is go to the Patreon. Our lowest tier is $3. You can literally sign up and then, I mean, I don't want to endorse this. But you could just cancel after Sunday if you really want to have fun. Because this would be a lot of fun. We're going to play the Guess the Player uh, Jeopardy game. If you're not familiar with it, if you're not a patron, we haven't done it on... Um... <laughs> Stop laughing, Tim. We haven't done it non-Patreon episode in a while, but uh, it's like Jeopardy. Um, <laughs> so what are you doing with hints and you have to guess who the player is? Uh, 
And we're doing it live through Zoom. So me, Michael, and Tim are going to co-host. Uh, and then our patrons are going to play. We're giving away an Aaron Rodgers Funko bobblehead to the winner. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, Zoom's a good platform to use. So if you want to... Disinfected. <laughs> what? I think we were getting paid by Zoom. We're not. No, we're not. But everyone's using it now. It's disinfected fun. So if you want to join, check out our Patreon. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun Sunday night. For sure. That's it. And now I'm going to stop talking because apparently that was hilarious. So. <laughs> nah, that's what you do with me, honestly. I, once you started doing that, I kind of zoned out and I went on Twitter and there was an Onion headline that said, um, Beyond Meat researchers announced creation of fully conscious plants, plant-based veal calf. <laughs> As part of a company's ongoing effort to provide consumers with meat substitutes indistinguishable from the real thing, officials at Beyond Meat announced Wednesday they had created a fully conscious, completely plant-based veal calf. <laughs> Get it? A cow is plant-based. Right. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Don't don't even. Oh Tim, um, Michael, where can they find you? At Brodo FF Mike. How about you, Jason? At Brodo FF Jason. At Brodo FF Tim. See what we did there, and BrodoFantasy.com for all your fantasy needs. See, Jason, that's how it's done. Boom, boom, professional. Who said I was? Who said I wasn't gonna do that? Done. I wasn't gonna do that. Boom. Who said I wasn't gonna do that? Boom, and I told you about a plant-based veal calf. Bam. All right, we're done. Check out Twitter for the polls. Check out our Patreon and Twitter for the Jeopardy game on Sunday. That's going to be a lot of fun. Stay safe. That's the number one thing right now. Stay healthy, and let's have some fun. Stay inside. God damn it. And let's end on that negative note. Yes, please stay inside. It's it's true. Yes. Then on Sunday, play some Jeopardy with us. Yep. Later. Peace. Peace.